welcome to the Rural Leaders Podcast, where we share stories from rural leaders across the country, stories of inspiration, tools to equip, and momentum to act in your local community. My name is Dana Peterson, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Richard Fordyce. On the, on the podcast today, we are continuing our Rural Storytellers series. So Richard, it's great to be with you, and I hope you've had a, some opportunities to tell some stories over the holidays here. You know, uh, yeah, Dane, it's great to see you too. And, and I just love the series of rural storytellers and the importance and the impact that, that storytelling can have. And absolutely, you know, and, and um, obviously it's family, but it's friends too. It's people you haven't seen for a while. They came in town or they were in the area, you know, around Thanksgiving. Um, and yeah, you, it, it's it, storytelling comes in all different forms and, and fashions. It's, you know, it's catching up, it's reliving old stories. It's, it's in some cases, it's hearing the same story you've heard for 25 <laughs> years by the same guy. Anyway, no, no, it was, um, it, no, it was great. And, and, you know, Black Friday now is behind us. And I hope um, Black Friday, obviously, the marketing of, of different, different retail uh, outlets is all is ever changing. But I hope, you know, as we talk about rural America, I hope that, you know, our listeners took advantage of some Black Friday deals locally. That's right. That's right. Shopping local, um, making sure that those family uh, members and, and friends of ours in our rural communities can thrive in their businesses as well. You know, through the, the holiday season, things slow down on the farm um, and there's some opportunity to catch up on book work and planning for the next season. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go around in the holidays. But for me and my family, um, we like to spend some extra time together. And as I've thought about our Rural Storyteller series, I, I have fond memories of my grandparents and great-grandparents telling stories. And I even have a cassette tape. You remember what those are? Oh, yeah. Um, on where in junior high school, I had an assignment to sit down with grandparents and listen to some of their stories. And as we were talking with our last guest, it made me think about uh, young people of today, you know, having recordings of their stories and their assignments with um, new technologies and technologies like that the one that we're on here today, the phones that they have in their pocket or rather in their hands at all moments of every day. And so, you know, I think this is a really pertinent conversation for us to have as we think about our rural communities and the leaders that make up those rural communities is how we tell our stories. It absolutely is. And, um, you know, when I think about, when I think about storytelling, um, as we talked about, I think it was in the last episode, we talked about the importance of storytelling. It's, it, it can change perception. It can change the way folks think about um, storytelling done in the, in the correct way can do those kinds of things, change perception, drive business, um, drive interest to, um, to our rural communities. And so um, that's why the Rural Storytellers um, series 
is, is really very important. And we have, as a guest this week, we use the word catalyst a lot. Well, our guest this week on the Rural Leaders Podcast was the catalyst for this podcast. Um, he is the CEO of the National Grassroots Media and um, there's a couple of, uh, well, not a couple, there's like a dozen things that are super interesting about our next guest. Um, and we're going to bring him on here in just a few minutes. His name is Ian Hill. But before we hear from Ian, we want to hear these messages. We'll be right back. When I was in foster care, I never knew when I would have to move. So I always had my suitcase ready to go. Then one day I was adopted. My new parents opened their hearts and home to me. My parents cook my favorite breakfast for me every morning. My parents take me on trips I never thought I would go on. They gave me a home and an even better reason to use that suitcase. My parents aren't perfect, but they're perfect for me. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. Welcome back to the Rural Leaders Podcast. As we said in our opening segment, we do have a very special guest today, uh, Ian Hill, uh, Ian is the CEO of the National Grassroots Media Corporation, and he is like a super interesting guy that is really one of the most passionate individuals I've met uh, around rural, um, rural North America. Spent quite a bit of time in Canada and certainly the United States. And so um, it's great to have Ian. And I, so I want to just drop one more, oh, Wow before I bring him in, Ian, and if I, if I shouldn't have dropped this one, I guess, it'll, I guess we can edit it out. But Ian hopes to be the oldest man to play college football. Um, and he's training, working on getting that done. And I hope we get to visit about that. Um, but uh, I just want to welcome in to the Rural Leaders Podcast, Ian Hill. Ian, how are you doing? I'm great, Richard and Dana. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part. And congratulations on all of your hard work, energy, and effort as you tell the amazing story of rural leaders all across the continent. It's been a, it's been a joy to watch the show as it has grown and has continued to impact. And just congratulations to you both. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. And, you know, Dana... Dana drives and I ride along. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a good, it, it's a good partnership. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we wouldn't be here without Ian. That's so right. Ian, That's right. thank you for spurring us on, encouraging us. You are a tremendous encourager. And I hope that we can encourage you today, as I know that you are traveling all around the continent, encouraging rural leaders, rural communities. And so uh, we just want to have uh, an episode that's full of, of courage today. You know, rural communities are relevant in the 21st century. I know that the three of us agree on that. Yes. But I think in many instances today, rural communities have been marginalized. In some instances, they've been diminished. And in extreme instances, they've They've been demonized. Mm -hmm. Rural communities are 
are integral to each one of the Canada and the United States reaching its full potential. The United States can't be what it's supposed to be and what it's meant to be unless rural communities thrive in the 21st century. And so our mission is to equip rural communities with, as you just got done talking about in your first episode, the tools that they need to tell their story in their voice and in their way and in their timing. And uh, that's what we're trying to do with this Rural is Relevant initiative. So I know we had um, a lot of conversations, Ian, about some efforts that happened in Alberta um, a couple of years ago, which was part of the Rural is Relevant uh, initiative. Can you, can, you, can you just give us uh, and our listeners and viewers a little bit of a background and history and the results of what you all did? And sure. I'm sorry, sorry, sure. I said a short one, but I, you go, you do what you need to do. Oh, um, that's okay. Explain I, that. I, we, we, won't, we know that we have a limited amount of time, so we won't sure. talk forever. But if rural communities are relevant in the 21st century, then what's the key to rural communities thriving today? And we believe, we believed then, and we believe today, that it is the informal leaders within rural communities. In a small town, it's the same 20 people that do everything. So usually the challenge isn't that there isn't high competency of leaders in a rural community. It's that there's not enough of them. It's not leadership competency. It's leadership capacity. There's not enough rural leaders. And in most rural communities, we have a Superman, Superwoman mentality. Superman comes along, they got a kid in school, so they're fired up about whatever, and then they take on something and we ride them until we burn them out. Or a, a wonderful lady in town gets fired up about something and then we ride them until we burn them out. And then the community flatlines for a little while. Well, we saw that that wasn't effective. That wasn't sustainable. So what if you proactively developed informal leaders in an intentional way in a rural community, what would happen? And we called it becoming a community builder. And we started in Fort McMurray, Alberta, and then we worked our way across the province. And we saw tremendous results. It's tremendous results of regular people going and making the difference because they had the confidence and they were equipped with the tools the times require. And we have now relaunched that effort relaunched that effort in the uh, You Make the Difference initiative. We just got done in rural Alabama. We were in 24 communities throughout rural Alabama. And we just got back literally days ago from again being in rural Alberta. And we're seeing it. Post-pandemic, people are in their homes. There's a low-level anxiety. There's a collective low-level depression. And we've got to get people up and out and we've got to equip them with, the, with what the times require, and we're doing so, and we're already seeing tremendous results. That's wonderful. And so, you know, one of the things I really love about the initiatives that you've driven is that it is the, the people who are already uh, serving in, in stepping forward and stepping up, and, and you're putting in their hands the tools, whether that's a camera or a, uh, a computer or um, a phone, right? And yet, and you're teaching them how to use th those tools 
um, within their community to tell stories or to, um, you know, get initiatives across the finish line to create more informal leaders, all of those things. So as you think about all of these experiences, um, what are maybe one or two lessons that you have seen um, and that you'd like to share with our community here? Well, number one would be that in this hopeless challenge world that we face, I mean, you go anywhere and people feel a sense of hopelessness. People don't believe tomorrow will be better than yesterday. For the first time in my lifetime, people don't believe that their kids' lives will be better than their own. And what's the answer? The answer is the regular people. Let the people closest to the problem solve their problems. So lesson number one, there are good, hardworking, smart, dynamic people in every rural community. Equip them with the tools that the times require and then get the hell out of their way and let them run their town. So that's the first learning, that the solution to our problems, the most complex problems that we face are the people closest to the problem. And then secondly, that there is a crisis of communication. The dying newspapers all across this country, the radio station, if there is one in that community, is owned far, far away. And certainly there's no broadcast platform. We saw that exasperated during the pandemic. And so we have set out to do something about that second component, that second learning, which is there's a crisis of communication. The CDC said that there's 3000 counties across the United States that are not properly equipped in the time of emergency to disseminate information, meaning there's no newspaper, there's no radio station, there's no whatever, 3000 counties. And that's why we launched this this rural, this, this next component of rural is relevant, which is television and radio stations in these communities so that what you're talking about in this series can happen so that they can tell their stories to the rest of the world. Because for the first time in the history of mankind, you don't need towers and cables to broadcast your message. Through the wonders of technology, Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, and mobile applications, we can drop a TV and radio station into any size community and they can tell their story around the world. Yeah, that that is amazing. And, and you know, I, I mean, some technology, I am solid. Some other technology, not so solid as far as my understanding. And when we first started to talk about this, I was intrigued uh, as to how that works. And I don't know, Ian, if you want to go in a little deeper. So like our sure. listeners and viewers, you know, they're, they're saying, I live in a community of 5,000 people. I, you just described my community. How do I improve that? How do I go about doing that? Well, first of all, we're taking applications right now because our goal is to build 100 television and radio stations all across North America, both the United States and Canada in towns large and small, under 60,000. So whether you're a town or city with a small C, or you're rural with a big R, or you're rural with a small R, right? We, wherever you line up in small town, right? <laughs> we don't want to offend anybody. I told somebody the other day, well, here in your rural community, and they're like, we're not rural. And I was like, is the whether it is a 
town of 5,000, a town of 20,000, a town of 3,000. We beta tested this in a community as small as 3,000. Through the wonders of high-speed internet, we can set up a television station. We could use even phones if necessary. That's what I'm on a phone right now. And we can teach a local community how to broadcast local sports, how to have a, a morning show, how to have the farm report for the local area, weather, and truly have the newspaper of 1950 today or the radio station of 1960s today, because that's what we're really talking about. And you, you obviously can't have all the content come out of that local community. So you backfill it with national content, which is what we do. And we train and, 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 and support that local community to, to really be able to have a TV and radio station. And unlike terrestrial broadcasting, which would be limited, you know, within a certain area, a catchment area, because it's available on Roku, because it's available on Apple TV, because it's available on Amazon Fire and on mobile devices, literally your small town's message could reach 240 million homes across North America and 3.1 billion devices around the world. So it's a, it's a complete game changer that that local community could tell their story of rural tourism, tell their story of the artisans in their community, and tell the story to all of the people that have moved away. So it yeah. keeps them connected to the town that they live in. This is an out migration strategy. It's an economic development strategy. And most importantly, it gives the tools to the people to tell their story when people want to diminish, demonize, and ridicule rural. It gives rural the tools that they need to come back and say, let us tell you the real story of rural. Absolutely. Yeah. It, you were talking, I mean, you were talking about uh, uh, the, the, the ability and the, and the, and the, uh, the audience that could potentially be out there. That is, that is rural storytellers on steroids or 100%. On, one, it, and yeah. you know, Richard, I'll say, I'll say this. One of the main reasons for doing this is because I know that there are incredibly intelligent, talented, dynamic leaders in every one of these communities. There are artists, there are artisans, there are, there are leading edge thinkers. There are incredible people in their community, but today they have no access to the tools that they need to tell their story. Oh yes, they could put up a, a, a YouTube channel, but in the, in, in the panoply of YouTube channels, how are you gonna be found? Right. This is a whole different model. This is a television station slash television network. And imagine, if you will, Dana and Richard, once we have 25, 30, 40, 50, and eventually 100 of these stations, the power of, of, of bond between each one of those stations telling a common story, it is an absolute game changer. And we've done the hard work necessary. We did the four beta tests. We know the rights and the wrongs, the goods and the bads, and we can literally launch a television and radio station in a rural community in less than 90 days. That's mm. amazing. You know, one of the things I really love about this is that the ability to really take the geography um, off of how we define that community. 
whether, you know, this communications tool, the storytelling tool allows that community to grow to the people who have moved away, to the people who may move there, right? And it develops that community pride and the, um, the, the connectedness as human beings that we need to actually be called a community. You know, these, these are the words that I use and you just use two of them. Community cohesion, community connectedness, community capacity, and community pride. That's the result of these media platforms. We've seen it. And so when we intentionally and strategically organize the story and push out the story, then the story is going to be heard. And between the, uh, the, the different media uh, video, I'm sorry, the different video offerings that could come out of a small community, the podcast offerings, you know, you might have an author in that community. This is a perfect opportunity for them to tell a story. You might have a great artisan in that community, or you might have a, a beautiful uh, river or lake or mountain or, or other natural beauty. Well, this is the chance for the economic development team, the tourism authority and others to coalesce around this, this vehicle, this conduit to tell a clear and concise story. And you, both of you know this, and, and many of your listeners and viewers do as well. Rural micro niche tourism is a thing. Well, this is a way that your town can differentiate itself from all of the other towns that are trying to get people to either come and stay and play or come to live and work. You know, recruiting the live anywhere kind of people to your town is advantageous. And being able to say that you have a television and radio station in your town is absolutely a differentiating factor when those live anywhere people are looking around. It, it absolutely is. And, you know, as you're saying this and you're talking about newspapers, I know, uh, you know, our newspaper used to be pretty thick and now it's getting thinner. And, you know, from a from a news um, from a news gathering opportunity, they're still work. I mean, they're still doing it. They're still they're still trying to get it done. Um, but we have communities close by about the same size that the you know, the proprietors said, hey, um, I, nobody wants to come in here. I have no family members that want to run this paper and it goes away. Yeah. And so, yeah, go ahead, Ian. I was just going to say, and think about when it goes away, what the feeling of the town is. But yeah, I, and I, I think, know what I think that is. The, the loss of a newspaper is second only to the closing of the elementary school. Exactly. Mm. When an elementary school dies and everybody gets shipped off to another town, that's when everybody says the town is dead. Well, the only thing that's that is close to that is when the newspaper dies. Yeah. And now there's no conduit of communication. And so it this is. replaces that. It's cost effective. It, it, it can be done. It can be profitable. And we're just taking applications right now, guys. We're taking applications at ruralisrelevant.com, ruralisrelevant.com. There is a vetting process, and we're looking for lighthouse communities that can show the rest of North America how this can be done. We've done the four beta tests, and now it's time to move to the lighthouse phase where we select five communities. We bring in the stations. We teach. We grow. It's basically a franchise model, and then off they run, and then they can be the beacons of hope to other communities across the United States and Canada. That is awesome. Ruralisrelevant.com. 
Ian, we are gonna we're gonna run out of time here. Um, we'll have to ask you about the oldest man to play college football next time, unless you can unless you can give us a little bit of an update on how that's going. I can give you a quick update. We're trying to bring awareness to the alarming suicide rate amongst middle aged men. Seventy percent more likely are middle aged men to take their own life. We're gonna do something about that. And I'm as a fifty seven year old man gonna play college football next fall. Be uh, be on the lookout for the National Scouting Combine. I've been invited to the National Scouting Combine on wow. January 22nd, so you'll see it on all your sports platforms. But this is what matters the most, guys. Ask somebody if they're okay. Check in with people that you know are going through a tough time. And if you have nowhere else to go, go to seasontosavealife.org, and there you can get some tools and some support. My phone number is there. If you don't have anyone else in the world to talk to, you call me, and I'll talk with you. Fantastic, Ian. Great advice, great resources. Um, and again, our time goes by so fast. And, uh, and, I, I, and I knew, I said at the top of this segment, this is going to be fun. I don't know where we're going with the conversation, but it's going to be fun. And it was. And thank you, sir, for being on with us today. And thank you all for listening and watching. Um, we'll be right back after these messages. Feel the beat of nature at a park or forest near you. Find a forest and music inspired by nature at discovertheforest.org. Welcome back to the Rural Leaders Podcast and our series on rural storytellers. And uh, boy, Dana, <laughs> Ian, man, that guy has got more energy that's um, right. It, it's just it's it's and I'm like I'm I'm kind of tired right now. Like after <laughs> after that interview and listening to Ian talk about you know why rural is relevant, the the rural radio and television stations, the um, the way that we can magnify our storytelling and magnify our messaging in rural America and rural Canada uh, is is just great. And the guy has got tons of energy and is super passionate. Again, I'm tired, so I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna turn it over to you. <laughs> well, I you know Ian reached out to me, um, kind of a cold call uh, last last fall, um, and we talked about our shared passion for rural America. We talked about his you know energy and excitement across rural Alberta, um, rural United States, and really just having an opportunity to brainstorm together how we could impact rural communities, impact rural leaders, and really focus on the people that, that count. Um, and so we uh, came up with this idea for the Rural Leaders Podcast. They've been working hard with the, the Rural is Relevant initiative and just really wanna encourage people to take a look at that for your community. The, the importance of having that hub of communication for the community cannot be understated. Um, as your community tells stories to one another, 
that then creates bonds and, and community pride and that cohesion that really brings success to any initiative. It, it does. And, you know, when we, well, obviously, you know, you and you and Ian had a connection at first and then I'm not sure when it was that, that I started visiting with him, but as he was describing his vision and what this, what this tool and this vehicle could do to rural communities, I was just thinking about communities that I know of that are, that would be a perfect fit for that, um, you know, here in Missouri, but other places as well that I've been and what a game changer it would be. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I think uh, because of the um, because of the streaming services and the different platforms that that you know that that that, that message goes out on, um, you know, you would have people from yeah. those communities. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You would have people yeah. from those communities that are literally tied back into home on a regular basis, um, and great. so. You know, I, I uh, and again, I, I, I second what you just said. I, I encourage people to look into this, check it out, see what it's about, um, put in application, you know, and see, you know, just see what this could mean for your community. Um, you know, if, if honestly, you know, Dana, you and I know a lot of people. And if, if anybody can get this done and get it done the right way and get it done where it makes a difference, it's going to be Ian, right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He is out there to make an impact. And, and I know so many others out there who are making an impact too. And sure. so um, in this holiday season, we just want to share our, our encouragement with each one of you as you think about the impact that you've had this past year, as you celebrate with friends and family, the holidays uh, that we're in. And as you, you know, think about what might be coming this next year in 2023, um, this is an opportunity to celebrate to tell your story locally, to tell your story regionally, nationally, and around the world. So uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and uh, happy new year, everyone. Well, Dana, right back at you. Um, and you always do such a great job of, of uh, reminding us what, what truly is important. And, um, and we would like to hear from you. If you uh, would like to contact us, you can get a hold of Dana at Dana at the Rural Leaders Podcast.com or myself, Richard at the Rural Leaders Podcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear. Um, what you think of the podcast. We'd love to hear um, about ideas, about things you'd like to see on the podcast, things you'd like to learn and, and guess you'd like to see on the podcast. So please reach out, um, uh, provide some feedback. And this is going to do it for this episode of the Rural Leaders Podcast. We hope you join us next time right here on the Rural Leaders Podcast. Take care, everybody. 